Welcome to The Coop Tank. I'm your host, Steve Cooper, coming to you from Sweet Recording in beautiful Mount Laurel, New Jersey. You know, people, if you have a podcast, a video cast, an audio book, hell, even if you need a studio built, Sweet Recording's a place for you. My buddy Joe Ganjami not only knows his stuff and is professional, but he's a great guy. So check out their website at sweetrecording, S-U-I-T-E, recording.com, or email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. Anyway, we have a great show today. As usual, I brought a great uh, group of guests today. Uh, our first guest today from Workplace HS HCM is Les Vale. How you doing, Les? I'm doing fantastic, Coop. How are you? I'm doing great. And next, Good. from Create Your Potential, we have Rebecca Charlson. How you doing, Rebecca? Good. How are and you? finally, a woman that I've known, I used to hang out with her younger brother and drink her parents' Uso in their basement back in the Willowdale section at Cherry Hill. From okay. Hoffman's Exterminating, we have Eve Pappas. What's up, Eve? How you doing, Steve? Great to see you. Good to see you. Okay, I want to go around. I want to find out what you all do. So, Les, tell us about Workplace HCM and tell us what you do and what your position is. So I am the uh, director of sales and sales manager here, and we are an outsourced human capital management firm. Uh, we work with small to mid-sized companies and helping them mitigate their way through compliance, uh, everything from recruitment through termination, everywhere in between, as well as handling and processing their payroll. So we're, uh, you know, we love working with good small to mid-sized businesses and helping them. It's, it's what we've done. And, uh, Last night, we were very fortunate. We achieved the Philly 100 for the third straight year in a row. So that makes us one of the 100 fastest growing companies in the Philadelphia region. That's awesome. Congratulations. It's always Thank a good you. accomplishment. Uh, how about you, Rebecca? Tell us about Create Your Potential. I know you got a lot of stuff going on. Yeah. So Create Your Potential is a digital marketing company. We worked with a number of organizations and businesses over the years. We've become more laser focused within the last year, working with industry experts, consultants, and authors and helping them create their nationwide impact, developing their personal brand and helping them become professional speakers. We actually launched a speaker kit recently that gives a leg up and findmyguestspeaker.com, which helps helps them uh, promote them nationwide, essentially. And we have 25 dynamic speakers on there currently who have a worldwide presence, actually. That's awesome. And Eve, Eve, tell us about Hoffman's Exterminating. Yes, my name is Eve Pappas with Hoffman's Exterminating. We're a family-owned business um, right out of Mantua, New Jersey. My role is the VP of Business uh, Development and Growth. And uh, we've been in business since 1990. And uh, now we have six offices. Hey, I, I got a question for you because, you know, a lot of us grew up with our parents worked the same job for years. Okay. And when they got done, they ended up with a watch and, and I just the way it was, you know, but now all of us have had different positions and he has been in and out, but I want to know how you got to what you're doing today. What was your road to your position? And we'll start with you, Les. So for me, as you know, you know, I started my career in the insurance business. I spent 15 years in the insurance business uh, right up until the mid nineties, when the company I was with, that was a regional vice president for Philadelphia. We got, uh, we got sold a uh, big company at that time, uh, was purchasing a lot of insurance companies. So I switched gears. I got into human capital management. I started with a company called Interpay and then we got sold and I, got, I ended up in Intuit. We got sold. And I ended up at ADP, but then I, like I said, in, in 2007, I left and became the CEO of the Gloucester County Chamber of Commerce. Uh, and workplace, believe it or not, was the only company to take me away from ADP. 
So we, I was, I could actually say I was a client. So when I left the chamber in 2020, uh, Frank had reached out to me and we were having a conversation and, uh, three plus years later, here I am and loving life again and having fun doing what I had done for almost 15 years before. How about you, Rebecca? How did, how did you get to where you are right now? So I have about 15 years background in business development. I became a sales trainer working with a company, worked my way up. And then I became one of nationwide layoffs, moved to New Jersey, didn't know anybody and started networking and getting to know people, Les Vale included, started hosting events and learning the power of personal branding and digital marketing, became self-taught, eventually started uh actually investing in coaching and training and now developed my own business. I have a team that works with me and yeah, so it's the rest is history. I love teaching on personal branding and networking because, you know, at the end of the day, what you do may change, but you take your personal brand with you. And how about you, Eve? How did you end up at Hoffman's? Because I know you were in extermination when I knew you, you back in the day, but how I did you end up back? How did you end up with Hoffman's? Well, it, it's a it's a kind of like a funny story because like Bill Hoffman worked for Western Pest Services and I worked for Orkin and we both were very involved in the, the New Jersey Pest Control Association. I was Southern Regional Director and he was on one of the committees and we would always write up the turnpike together, sharing ideas and he would ask me, you know, different questions. And so before you know it, our friendship started way back then. And uh, it has continued to grow through the years. Uh, then I retired from working in 2008. Then I helped another family business grow um, from a $12 million company to a $20 million company in five years. And then from there, I launched a product um, across the United States, primarily more on the East Coast to the Midwest, Allergy Technologies. It was a liner that was impregnated with permethrin that killed bed bugs and dust mites. And then from there, Bill says, Evie, you need to come off the road and kind of join our, our family. And um, so we put together a, a deal and, and here we are. And he wanted to grow the business and I've done it everywhere I've gone. So it just seemed like it was the right fit for both of us. It always fascinates me how people get to where they are. And uh, and it's really, this is what I love about the show. Uh, but someone asked me what about this show is. And I said, basically, it's, it's a breakout room with authenticity and honesty. Because a lot of us, you know, we go into breakout rooms and a lot of times people are blowing smoke up your ass or they're just, they're just bragging about themselves, okay? So we're going to take a time now not to brag about yourself. And I'll start, but what is a weakness that you have you know you have when it comes to business? A weakness that you want to actually... You want to address, because like for me, I have a hard time saying no. Even if someone sends me a message to be on this show or in my other show, Cooper talking with our podcast, I, I hate saying no. Even though I have the right to, I feel guilty. I don't know what it is. You know, maybe it was my upbringing. But what's a weakness that you have identified and you know you have to do something about it and you do take steps to do it? And we'll start with you, Rebecca. So two weaknesses, I've had a tendency to be a workaholic and a perfectionist. <laughs> so that being said, one of my biggest challenges was learning to delegate. I was a one woman show, just wearing many hats and doing everything myself. And ironically, you know, that the, the reason why, you know, people tend to be a perfectionist or, you know, workaholic is they have to maintain control. And 
ironically, when I learned to let go of that and trust others and delegate and create a team, I was actually able to scale my business and focus on the bigger vision and impact more people. And how about you, Eve? What's, what's, what's an Eve Pappas weakness she has? Well, I, I would say, you know, I do spend, similar to what Rebecca says, I spend an awful lot of time working. And it's, it's like, you got to keep working on how to create that work balance and the fun time. And my dad always said, you know, you got to work hard and play hard, you know, and it's, um, it's, it's an ongoing evolution because things are constantly happening. Things get in your way and, you know, you just got to continually prioritize. And as the years have gone on, I've, I've gotten a little bit better at it because when I joined Hoffman's, I knew in the beginning, I was going to be spending a lot of time trying to get things organized and set things up and build teams and do all that. So I would say that, um, you know, working a lot and, and, and Coop yesterday, someone called me the president of the national pest control association and asked me, to go ahead and be at large. And I said, what does that mean? And she says, exactly what you've been doing. And I said, all right, I guess we'll talk about it when we get to Hawaii, <laughs> you know? There you go. How about you? How about you, Les? What's a, what's a weakness you think you have that, that you're, you're, you're working on? Pizza. I love pizza. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, actually, believe it or not, one of the things I work on all the time is it's listening. You know, uh, I've become a student of uh, DISC uh, in the last 10 years, got certified in DISC and, and, understanding personalities, but I'm that age-driven personality. Uh, I'm like, Rebecca, I'm a control freak. Uh, and sometimes I have, a, you know, you have a tendency, you know, not to listen, or if you do listen, you're not hearing. So I really work hard every day when I'm with somebody is to sit back and listen, take notes. So I always try to remember something that, you know, uh, try to make sure that, you know, if I, if, if I'm talking to you to make sure that, you know, I write down something I know that you said that was impactful and it's, it helps me. It doesn't always work because there's times, like I said, I can, can go off that way, you know, but uh, I really try to focus on listening. I think that's been one of my, uh, a weakness that I've always, you know, especially in the last 10 years, I've tried to really work on it and get better at it. You know, all of us have been in business development, you know, that, that's what we do. And so we do, as you mentioned it, we do straddle our professional and personal life. That is something that happens. You know, Eve, I know you go to great events like, you know, with Hoffman, you guys are, you know, the Eagles, The you go, I mean, that's professional, but it's also personal. When you go, when it comes to every day in your personal and professional life, what is the characteristic that you look for in a person that makes that's very important to you. Like me, if I, if I want to be on with someone legit and talk to them and hang out with them and do business with them, I'm very big into integrity. I, I that's something I was brought up with. But what's a characteristic that you look for in someone that you want to do business with? And it can be professional or personal. But Eve, what's a characteristic you look in someone? I would say the biggest thing, Coop, would be um, you know, our so our core values that we have. It's like you know, I'm so passionate about the community and serving others and helping. And if people around my circle really don't want to take part in that, I really I really don't want to be around them because I actually want to get up and make a difference in somebody's life every day and do the very best that I can. So that's kind of, and you can figure that out as you're having conversations with folks. Um, are, they, are they really into what it is that you're into or not? 
Okay. How about you? How about you, Les? One of the things when I'm out, I'm at, I'm out all, every night. So, so when I'm meeting somebody for the first time, the, uh, one thing I, I want eye contact, I want to make sure I look at people straight in their eyes. Okay. Uh, because I want them to know that I am focusing on them and trying to listen to them. But, you know, if they don't look back at me or they're not, you know, now sometimes you got to be careful because there are those, you know, introverts that sometimes don't, won't do that. But the other thing is passion. I want people, I, I like to surround myself with people like, like Eve. I mean, you know, I've, I've given myself back to the community. I want to help others. I want to be there for others and give, give back to them. So my circle is made up of people who, you know, really want to give back. And I always look for new people who also want to give back to the community and help others. It's funny, eye contact. I was I was brought up that way, but I have a lazy eye. So it's gotten worse since I over. So it's not always easy to give eye contact. People are like, are you looking at me? I go, I swear to God, I'm looking at you. But uh, <laughs> characteristic, Rebecca, what do you look for? I would say being open-minded. I think, especially in the world that we live in today, there can be a lot of polarizing language and there can be more arguments about what we can't or won't do. And so I really look for the language that people use and how open-minded they are. Um, like Les said, body language, listening skills, I think those can all point to how open-minded people are, which also means they'll be receptive to being a, a lifelong learner, which I tend to gravitate towards people who have that type of mindset. And that's true. And you're right. When we do meet a lot of people, as you, as you both were up. So so we I've met you all through networking. I mean, except Eve, I've known Eve for years, but I've met you through networking and you're all good networkers. That's why you're in the show. Cause I want people, you know, if you were just someone who was not a good networker, I wouldn't invite you. Cause if you were a crappy networker, you'd probably be a crappy guest. That's just the way it is. But what makes you a good networker? Cause you know, we talk about introverts and I tend to be a little bit introverted and people don't believe that. But when I go to an event, I don't, I, I like to sit by myself a little bit and then I'll, I'll see who comes over to me and I'll talk to them. And I just, cause I think from years of doing stand up, I would go to parties and people go oh, tell us a joke. And I'm like, no, I'm, I'm not a clown. You know, and it sounds dumb, but I was like, I, and more than that. So what makes you a good networker? We're going to start with you, Rebecca, because you're, you go out, you're involved with a lot and you used to promote a, a networking events. So you really know the ins and outs of networking and Les will to get to you about when you talk about Gloucester County, because that was a lot of networking, but what makes you a good networker, Rebecca? I would say I like to have a connector mindset. And when I'm interacting with people, it's listening. And again, it's looking for trigger words that that means something else. People don't write, come right out and say certain things. It's it's having that listening heart to to kind of understand what people are, you know, what their needs are, um, and not just who they need to connect to, but also highlighting their strengths. And when it comes to personal branding as a strategist, one of the things I like to do is help people recognize their super strengths, as I call them. You mentioned networking. Um, I used to host networking events in New Jersey. And one of the events I did had the theme, what is your super strength? And what I did is I helped people connect based on their strengths 
and not based on their titles or businesses. So we actually had superheroes. Les Vale was a guest speaker at that yeah. event, actually. And I still, I still have the uh, the, 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 the character chart. Two yeah. character chartists there, and one of the things I was doing too was connecting people to local networking organizations because as an outsider, I recognized how challenging it was. So again, being a connector and helping people recognize their strengths and connecting people to resources based on their strengths or based on what other support they could use. And shout out to Les because I can attest to him being a listener and being open-minded. He was actually one of the first people who really gravitated to the idea that the new idea, the new concept I was trying to introduce and shout out to Les. Thank you so much for, for ha being, having a listener's heart and being a supporter. Hey, how about you, Eve? Because you're everyone knows Eve Pappas. Everyone knows you. You're everywhere. What makes you what makes you a good networker? What is it about Eve? They go, man, we really want to talk to her. Or, or what makes you good at what at networking? I, I really truly believe that, you know, like Les said, you got to look people in the eye. And I think you got to be helpful. And you have to be happy because people want to be around people that are positive and happy. And, and like I said, every day. I, I wake up in the morning, I look myself in the mirror, I tell how myself how great I am. And and I think that that's what what the key is, is that being helpful, mm -hmm. smile, and, and having positive energy around yourself. Because, you know, as you know, there's enough stuff out there in this world that can really bring you down. So you, so you got to surround yourself with people like that. And, and, and I'm approachable. Um, I think that's what everybody said, you know, no matter what my title is or who I am, I am very approachable to help anybody that comes to me for anything that they need. Yeah, I look at myself in the mirror and I give myself a compliment. My wife goes, you're full of crap. So then she keeps walking. So how about you, Les? What makes you a good networker? Because you were involved with Gloucester County and they had big networking events and you've been networking for a long time and everyone knows you're out and about. But what makes you a good networker? You know, I've always been a firm believer that, you know, you should create and make yourself a center of influence. You know, most people relate to center of influences as the CPA, the banker, the attorney, anybody who can help you is a center of influence. And to this day, I focus on really wanting to be that person, uh, the person who, you know, I know a guy, I know a gal, okay, that can help you. I mean, to this day, I get calls every week. Do you know a plumber? I need a plumber. I need, I, I need, I need an exterminator. I, I, you know, I need a marketing person. You know, I, I, I pride myself on being that person, but it also comes down to understanding relationships and, and it's mutually beneficial. It's not all about, you know, take, 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 take. I mean, if you're not a giver, you know, you eventually will be called on your stuff and, and you won't get anything, but if you are willing to help people, Okay, that will show. And I, I just love helping people. I'm I'm passionate about helping others achieve their goals and get there there they want to be. And to me, you know, that's the key to successful networking. That and doing your homework. You know, because when you go to these events, you know, the challenge that people have is they walk out with a stack of cards and then what do you do with all those cards? Okay. You know, to me, it's like, you know, do your homework. Uh, you know, you know, find out in advance who's going to be there. Find the five or six people that you really want to meet and then, you know, get introduced to those people. But when you're done, make sure you do some good follow up and schedule time to meet them away from that. And to me, that's I think my follow up is what makes me a really great networker is the fact that 
you know, I'm not there to see everybody. I'm there to see a certain, I mean, I want to meet everybody, but at some point I'm focused on a, a certain number of people. And when I'm, when I leave that event, I mean, I sit in my car and I'm sit, pleasure to meet you. I try to put in something that I, that, that, that they said to me, uh, let's schedule time for a cup of coffee. So follow-up is key. And that's one of my strong points. You know, it's funny. You said something about follow-up and I, I want to, I'm going to ask you this. I wasn't thinking of asking you guys this, but it just popped in my head. I, I, you know, I'm, I have a little bit of an ego at times and uh, we all do. And I'm a, I'm a performer. We're half narcissistic. We're half insecure. So we, it, that's what happens, but follow-up. Okay. Etiquette and follow-up. I met someone at an event. I met them and they said, Oh, we should, we should do a one-on-one -on -one sometimes. I said, okay, that's no problem. You know, reach out to me. Well, then their assistant calls me. And I was like, no, for me, I'm like, I'm not going to deal with this person. Now, if, if I have to deal with an assistant, like I was dealing with Frank about something, uh, Les, and I, I, he said, can you get in touch with Anastasia? I'm fine with that. But this guy had his assistant call me and I won't meet with him now. I won't return his call. Cause it's like, you can't take the time to call me. Am I wrong? Or I mean, how would you follow up in that situation? Rebecca, if you met me at an event, you said we should, you know, we should meet. Would you have your assistant call me or or would you reach out to me or email me? What would you do? So I, I think you bring up a good point because there's a fine line between maintaining being personable and and and, and genuine and also delegating and time management. <laughs> so for somebody like me, I, I agree with you. Like I, I wouldn't delegate a very personal and genuine interaction. Um, I wonder if that person, you know, maybe they're just extremely busy or whatnot, but to the person who's receiving that, such as yourself, it comes, it does come across disingenuous. And so I can understand. Um, so as far as follow-up goes, yeah, I probably would not have wanted to continue that engagement or at least not consider that person in my inner circle. I think the key when it comes to growing as a networker is learning your boundaries and learning what buckets people fall in. Because one of the challenges I had was I made myself available to anybody and everybody because I just wanted to help everybody. And Les, you probably know what that's like, right? <laughs> and that you end up burning out and depleting. So again, there's a fine line between having boundaries, but maintaining that genuine engagement. How about you, Les? What would you do in the situation I was in? You know, I kind of agree with Rebecca. It is a little disingenuous. And listen, I understand there are some people, their schedules are just absolutely crazy and they need somebody to help them take care of that. And, and you know, I have made time with people who have done exactly that, but they've also explained, listen, I can't control my schedule. Here's somebody. Me personally, you know, you know, I have an assistant. I make my own appointments. I may, I want to control my, my calendar. I want to make sure that I'm in front of the people that I want to meet. Uh, I mean, I've used Calendly, you know, I, I still use, I use that, but I still want to control my schedule. So if I meet you at an event and you're pushing me off to somebody else to make an appointment, it usually gives me a sign that you're really not interested in what I have. Okay. I'm going to go through the motions and I'm going to make the appointment. I'm going to try you know, uh, and schedule time with that person. But, you know, I personally, it's like to me, you know, I take pride in, in what I do. Uh, I love what I do. 
Uh, and if I'm taking the time to meet with you, I'm going to take the time to make my schedule for you and available to you and not pawn it off on somebody else. How about you, Eve? Because I saw Eve shaking her head. She was like, no, nah, I don't want any part of this shit. I don't, I don't. Well, you know what? If the person doesn't have time for you, you know, to make their own schedule, make their own contact, then I wouldn't have time for them. I mean, I got to be honest with you, Coop. I, I would kind of agree with you on that one. Um, when I meet people and I, you know, get their business card and find out a little bit about them, the very next thing that I do is a little bit different from what Les said. I, um, I actually do handwritten cards thanking them for, you know, meeting them and saying, you know, if there's somebody that I really think that I want them in my inner circle, then I'll reach out to them and, and say, hey, let's, uh, let's set up a time where we can grab a cup of coffee or grab lunch or something so I can really get to understand you and learn more about you and maybe how I can help you um, with whatever it is that you're doing. Because ultimately, you know, everybody lives somewhere and everybody works somewhere. So in my situation, you know, I just got a phone call this morning from, from a guy, uh, Tom Grant, who lives in Morristown that I saw him at Jersey Man. And I don't even belong to Jersey Man, but I was invited to go. And he, he has an issue at his house. And he said, Evie, can you help me with that? I said, absolutely, Tom, whatever you need. And then he made his list and whatever. So you just never know mm -hmm. when there is somebody that you really can help you and you help them. But you just got to be nice to everybody. But if, if somebody doesn't want us to make their own appointment, then I'm not sure I'd have time for them either. So I kind of <laughs> agree with you, Coop. <laughs> All right, good. Hey, Coop, if I could add one thing to what Eve said, because she hit something that's very, very, very important. You know, uh, you know when, you, when, you, when you talk about meeting people, you know, you may never do business with them. Okay. But you don't know who they know. And they don't know who you know. Okay. And that's, that's the key to successful relationships is, you know what, you want to be that center of influence. So, you know, Eve, I agree with you on that one. Yep. Now, all of you are in competitive fields. Let's be honest. All of you are in jobs where there's people doing what you do and you have to get, and you have to make your niche. So if you, if I'm a possible, a possible client, why am I going to pick you what makes you and your company special we can say what our company does which we did earlier we all know what you do but what makes you special what makes you sit there if i say you know what les i need to do this i have this company I have this company this company what are you going to tell me that makes me want to work with you what makes us different is service this 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 business that frank built is built on service Okay, you know, yes, you know, you know, our industry, human capital management, you know, there's a lot of every there's a ton of companies that are into it, big and small. But at the end of the day, you know, where some of the larger companies fail is they've become call centers. You know, my card, I have my cell phone number on my card. Mm -hmm. I want to know when there is a problem. Okay. I want to know if there is an issue. And I'll tell you this story. So I have a client, he has a commercial cleaning company down in Gloucester County. He likes his, he likes his checks there Thursday night because his employees start at six when you're out of your office, okay? Because Friday's payday. So this is really a Christmas vacation story. If you remember the Jelly in a Month bonus club that came in. 
you know, he calls me at like 4.30, says the courier isn't here. Okay. I'm like, all right, let me call you right back. I call the courier. The courier says, oh, it was delivered. I said, well, he doesn't have it. So we don't know where it's at. 15 minutes later, the courier calls me, says, oh, we apologize. It's actually still on the truck. It fell behind the rack, literally. So what I did was I called Gavin Gardas, who's the head of our operations here and one of Frank's partners and said, here's the situation. Kevin forwarded that payroll, redid it. I came, I picked it up, I delivered it to him. Problem solved, okay? This is employees get his checks at 6.30 instead of 4.35, yes. But they got them that day so they could cash them Friday before they came into work. To me, service is king. And I know, I'm not, listen, I know Hoffman, and, you know, but, you know, Bill very well. Service is king with you guys. I mean, and, and you know, Rebecca, I've known her, you know, since she's come here. Service is, if you give good quality service, people will want to work with you. And that's what I think separates us from our competition is the level of service. You call my office, there is no automated voicemail system. There's a live person that answers your phone and directs you right to where you need to be. Okay. How about you, Rebecca? I would say our biggest strength, uh, what I instill with my team and with myself is empathy. I personally, as a growing entrepreneur, I met uh, less, I would say about eight years ago. Um, and ever since then, you know, I've had setbacks, you know, and I've had gone through challenges that every business owner has gone through. And I've also experienced what bad service looks like when people do not have good service uh, that I hire for. And so I've curated my experience to provide a level of service and efficiency. So as a digital marketing company, we do social media management, uh, graphic design, website design, podcast setup, all these things. But, and there's, like you said, there's a lot of people who do that out there, but there's not necessarily reliable and people who really take the time to get to know their clients. So, and to share a little story background about myself, I actually co-authored a book called Women Who Rise back in 2020. Ironically, it was published. And in the, one of the chapters, I share how my challenges in the past and limiting beliefs kept me from creating my full potential, hence the name. And I share my story and setbacks and challenges from a place of empathy so that people understand that I'm right along with them in this ride called life. Like we don't want to talk at you or work for you. We want to work with you and have conversations with you and provide a service that really helps elevate your personal brand. How about you, Eve? What what makes what makes what makes Hoffman? I bet I met Bill. He's great. What uh what makes you guys different? Why am I going to do business with you? If I have ants, if I have fire ants in my backyard, why am I calling you, Eve Pappas? I got lanternflies. How am I getting rid of them? I need someone. Why am I calling? Why am I calling Hoffman? Well, it's all about relationships, and and I and I I, I guess I got like four key words. You know, it's relationships. It's our people. It's our service and it's our partnerships. And all that rolled into one, that's the company that I want to work for. And that's what my customers are looking for. So that's that's pretty much it in a nutshell. I mean, it's it's about relationships. And that's like, like what I said in the beginning, Bill and I started on a relationship that we had back in 1980-whatever, you know, and it's continued to grow and blossom through the years. So... That's what it's all about. 
Mm-hmm. Okay, you know, we all talk about business and, and Rebecca, you growing and everyone grows. And we always grow. I always think we have to learn every day. Every yeah. day we can learn and we have to learn something important. Like for me, when I started this show, okay, the Coop Tank, originally it was a one-on-one interview and I've done over a thousand interviews with celebrities one-on-one for my other podcast, Cooper Talk. But I had to learn how to sit there and moderate a group like this. And I, I look into it and it's intimidating at first because you don't know, you want people to be, you know, excited you want people to engage so that was something i learned in the last six months what is something you've learned in the last six months that you may have thought may have been challenging but when you really got to it and you got in a groove like now i do this it's fine but what is something you've learned in the last six months that has really been beneficial to you and eve we'll start with you well geez coop i you know what i don't i, I this is a hard question for me because a lot of times you know I, I've changed my role several times here at Hoffman's and um, now it's, it's, you know, being out in the community and being, being the face of the company. And, and it's like balancing and juggling a lot of balls, I guess I would say to try to stay focused on one or two things versus things that can pull me away from what it is that, that I, that I need to accomplish in, in, in each day. Um, that, that's been, been a little bit of a challenge for me. Um, but it's, it's getting better every day, you know, as, as it goes on. And how about you, Rebecca? What's something you've learned in the last six months? Because you've seen someone who's always, you're, I can tell you're thirsty for knowledge. You, you, you want to learn. And there's some people you can tell. Some people are just like very complacent. None of you people are, but there's, you know, how the people are like, oh yeah, it's my way or the highway or that, you know, oh yeah. You know, but what is something that you've learned in the last six months? Ooh, last six months. I would say that's a uh, that's a very a personal question as well for me. Unfortunately, um, over a year ago, my family had a, a tragic loss in our family, and I had to really hone in on my resiliency to maintain traction with my business. And I would say one of the biggest things that I've learned specifically over the last six months was the power of reframing and the ability to adapt. So not only going through a setback, a a major loss and and setbacks with, you know, reconfiguring, uh, recalibrating, I should say, uh, my direction, one of the things, and, you know, we think about the economy and, and I, you know, was also supporting various realtors and whatnot. And there's been a, you know, a shift in our economy and it's learning how to adapt as well as reframe rather than seeing life as this is happening to me, see it as this is happening for me. I'm being given the opportunity to look at life from a different perspective, to not take life for granted, to not take my relationships for granted. And it gave me a renewed sense of purpose for my business and desire to um, help others who have a resilient story and who want to create their potential in a dynamic way. And that's actually how findmyguestspeaker.com came into being was through a renewed sense of passion and wanting to support people from a place of um, reminding people to be resilient. How about you, Les? What's something you've learned? I like, like even Rebecca, it's a tough question, you know, because I do pride myself on being a lifelong learner. You know, I want to learn every day, you know, sometimes the head is hard and, you know, things don't always get in as easy as I want them to. But 
not so much the last six months, but I'd say the last year and a half, two years, I really have, you know, uh, learned to only do things that I'm actually truly passionate about. I, I love helping people. At one point, I used to sit on 12 different boards. People wanted me because of my network. And, you know, listen, you come out, you know, gunning, you know, right away, but if there's not a passion for what you're doing, are you really effective? And for me, I really, in, in the last couple of years, have really looked hard at that and said, what is my, what is my connection to this organization? What is my connection to this business? You know, if I am, if I could be passionate about where I'm giving back and to this organization, then I'm going to be effective. So that's probably the biggest thing I've learned, you know, one saying no, you know, but only getting involved with things that I'm actually really, really passionate about and I can be effective on. Okay. Well, now this is, this here comes to one of my favorite parts of the show. It's where I bitch about LinkedIn. Okay. I always pull. So I love LinkedIn. Don't get me wrong. I love LinkedIn, but there's certain things that bother me on LinkedIn. Okay. There's certain terms and things like that. I want to find out what like my, my, one of my pet peeves is the term rock star. Okay. I don't, I don't like when people, Rockstar is something you learn. Like Les has a picture of the, the boss behind him. He's a rock star. Okay. When I lived in LA, I went to Taylor Hawkins from the Foo Fighters 30th birthday party. Dave Grohl's there. Anthony Nikitas is there. Taylor had a pinata that looked like him. And when he opened it, airplane bottles of booze fell out. Okay. That's a rock star. If you're a great salesperson, you're a great salesperson. You're not a rock star. It's a title I think you earn, just like a lawyer or doctor. So rock star bothers me. And if anyone uses that term, I'm sorry if I'm offending you, but it's like, you aren't rock stars. Like, that's just a thing that pisses me off. But what is something that bothers you about LinkedIn? Is there any terms or way people react? And we'll start with, with you. Rebecca, because you deal with social media. And so you must see stuff that sometimes you must think, why is this person putting this or why are people doing this? So what's something that bothers you about LinkedIn? You know, you might have to come back to me because I'm a big believer in LinkedIn, especially of late. Um, I think it also depends on how you curate your newsfeed, because that's one of the things that I teach people is you can control your newsfeed. There is an unfollow button. <laughs> um, so I would say a lot of the people I follow and am connected with are genuine. Um, and I'm trying to think people, and, and the one thing I actually appreciate about LinkedIn is it's become a lot more strict with not just spamming and, um, you know, they're not afraid to, you know, call people out, you know, and, and also I appreciate how there's different groups. So, I guess I didn't, I don't have an answer for you right now. You might have to come back to me about words or things I don't like, because honestly, there's so many more things that I do. <laughs> oh, I, I love LinkedIn. I just, there's something I just have to bitch because it's something, you know, it's, you know, it's just <laughs> the things that irritate me. I, and I do this every week and I always look at my Fitbit when I get home, my heart rate goes up. It was like last night, at the Phillies game, my heart rate was like through the roof, not one ending. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm looking at my Fitbit. I'm like, oh my God, I'm at 115. I'm like, holy, I'm, oh my God. But this, this is the part that gets me worked up and I need this to get my blood circulating. Eve, yeah. what's something that pisses you off about LinkedIn? Well, you know what? I got to be honest with you. I am not really a social media person. Okay. That's probably one of my weakest links about me is computer stuff and i and i just i just kind of do it because 
you know, I guess a lot of people want to follow you and see what you're doing or who you're helping or where you're at. Um, and I try to use, use some of it as, you know, to tell a story, but, um, you know, I know there's one specific pest control company, Aero Pest Control, Emily Tom Thomas, who's the CEO, third generation. She calls her people rock stars all the time. So I guess everybody's got like a little different meaning about what does that really truly mean? But um, yeah, I, I, I guess I'm like Rebecca. I, you know, I don't really pay attention to a lot of that stuff because I'm doing you, you, so many you two are so you two are so diplomatic. I love it. I love it. But I know Les. Les, there's something that got to piss Les oh, off because Les, Les is a fellow <laughs> Les is a fellow bald man like me, and us bald guys get pissed off at stuff. So Les, what is something that bothers you about LinkedIn? Any Absolutely. terms or anything? Nothing at all. LinkedIn's fan. No, no. Honestly, I'll tell you one. One thing I've learned is, you know, what's what's happened with social media, especially what I found with LinkedIn, is that all social media isn't created equal. There's a, there's, there's a, each platform has a purpose. And what I've seen in the last few years, and although you're starting to see it turn back, LinkedIn was always business. To me, it was always business. It wasn't posting your kids. It wasn't, you know, posting your political you know, belief. And it went through a period where I used to get so annoyed. It was just like the crap that was on there. You know, people were posting about their, their kid's birthday party and they're posting about, they're posted about, you know, their, you know, their political beliefs. And to me, that I don't like. I mean, I'm going to LinkedIn because, and I'm a paid member on LinkedIn, because I want to use it to expand my relationship. I took a course, I don't know, about seven, eight years ago on LinkedIn. And, you know, what I, what I was taught was, one, because of what I was in at that time, I was a rare person to have as many people I was connected with. You know, because what I did, you know, running a chamber, my network was much larger than the average person. But I also learned that, you know, if you reached out to me and you looked at a content, you said to me, hey, Les, can you introduce me to Rebecca? Can you introduce me to Eve? Well, I better have a, enough of a relationship to be able to do that. Right. Okay. Facebook, yeah, you, you friend me, I'll accept it. LinkedIn has become different. I eliminated over a period of time, 1,500 contacts. Not for anything reason other than I really, if you called me up or asked me, hey, can you connect me to this person? I'm like, I really don't know. They just reached out to me and I accepted it. So so to me, there's a lot of that on LinkedIn that kind of, you know, because I do use it. I'm on it every day. I, I, I am mining LinkedIn every day looking for who can I meet? I'm looking at your networks. I'm saying, and when I reach out to people and I say, hey, listen, you know, Steve Cooper, can you introduce me to Steve Cooper? And they go, no, nah, I met him at an event once. And, you know, I, 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 you know, we're friends on LinkedIn. Well, no, you're not friends. Are you colleagues on LinkedIn? Are you working together on LinkedIn? So that's what, that's what ticks me off and pisses me off about LinkedIn is it's, it's, it's too many people treat it like Facebook. All right. That's a, that's a good answer. Okay. Rebe oh, Rebecca. I just put it. So. I, I'm a firm believer in balance with all things. Um, and I would, to, to, to your point, I definitely see what you're saying less about how it can be used to extreme of too much personal information put out there, especially if it's controversial. I don't think that's helpful to anybody's personal mm -hmm. brand, 
But I think it's important for people to keep in mind who is their target audience. So for example, the woman that you mentioned who talks to people saying rock star, her tar that may be the language of her target audience. Mm -hmm. You may not be her target audience. Right, so exactly. I so yeah. right, right. And and it propels you, which is fine because I think there's a fine as long as it's not using offensive names or or language, right? I, I think that should definitely not be allowed on social media. But to that point, I think it's important. And this is one of the things I do when I have my strategy sessions with, with people is helping them understand who their target audience, what is their customer avatar? What is the language? What are the thoughts? What are the feelings? What are the experiences of your target audience? Because you're gonna to wanna to make sure your language attracts those people. Okay. Uh, Rebecca, that's that's an excellent, excellent, excellent advice because that, that is so true because in Emily's situation, she she's the CEO of her company However, they have their own um, arrow thing, you know, a uh, LinkedIn page and Facebook page. But however, they also, she has her own. And that's what she calls her employees as rock stars. And I guess it kind of gets them fired up and motivated. And I know, but I've interviewed you know. a lot of rock stars. So it always bothers me. I'm like, know. Oh, I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, you know, you're not, you know, I, Going to a, a business lunch doesn't make you a rock star. A pinata looks like you full of liquor bottles makes you a rock star. So you know, anyway. it's funny, Coop. I can't remember the brand, but there's a commercial out there that has, uh, I think it's Paul Stanley from Kiss and other ones who they, they're coming into the boardrooms and saying, they say rock star and they come walking in the door. Yeah, <laughs> I, I see the question. It always makes because I would talk about it and I love that. That was a great, it was during a Super Bowl. Uh, okay, so here's something I always do for the, for the viewers and the listeners. Um, Started off by saying, I don't really read business books. The, the, I read Malcolm Gladwell, The Tipping Point. That was like 15 years ago or whatever, a long time ago. I don't read business books, but I like to find out what you're reading or a business book that made a difference because a lot of people love them. And I know a lot of people mentioned The Go-Giver and different books. But what's a book that you've read recently or in your past, a business book, if you've read one, and if it was like an autobiography about Motley Crue, that's cool too. But what's a, a business book that you've read that sticks out or that you're reading now that's helping you. And we'll start with you, Rebecca. Oh, come back to me. Cause there's okay. so many of them. I need okay. to think about it. <laughs> okay. How about you, Les? Blue ocean strategies. Great book because it actually will, you know, I've actually, I'm on it for the third time reading it because every time, you know, the first time I read it, you know, I have to, my, my brain needs more. Uh, but every time I've gone back, you know, I've learned something new, but it's about taking your business you know, how do you, how are you different? You know, taking, you know, they, they call it moving from the red ocean, which is what everybody's in to that blue ocean where only a few companies get to uh, and not being the cheapest, you know, but having a good product and a mindset and a delivery and a marketing plan to do it. So blue ocean strategies, you know, it's a great book. Okay. How about you, Eve? Um, it would be the hard ask by Laura Fredericks. I personally met her three or four years ago. Um, this is her seventh book she wrote and she was uh, originally from Philadelphia area, um, but she did a lot of fundraising for Pace University. And she actually teaches you, if you really want something, you have to be kind of direct about it 
and not beat around the bush, but also have the answers of the responses that you might get from that individual. So one of the things that she said was she asked uh, this gentleman uh, for like, you know, $20 million. And she told her all that told them all the reasons why that the university needed this money and so on and so forth. And then there was like silence. And, um, and then she went ahead and just asked them like, um, is there something that I can help you with that maybe I didn't explain to you correctly that um, where the money is, you know, going to go. And the guy, the guy looked at her and said, no, I just have to find out what what account I'm going to take the money out to give you to, to go ahead and get what it is you want. And and it's it's so I, I'm reading your book. Um, I was at her book signing that she had in Philadelphia at the uh, Fittler Club downtown. And it's uh, it's a great book. And, and she's a dynamic speaker. And, and so I would advise anybody to get that. Like, how about Mel? We're back to you, Rebecca. We got two good books. We're yeah. back to you. Uh, I would say of all the ones I've read over the years, Atomic Habits is extremely powerful, especially over, I would say within the last couple of years, as I've been working on scaling my business, James Clear is the author. I actually looked up one of his quotes that really, really, I would say, uh, represents why it's made such an impact for me. Goals are about the results you want to achieve. Systems are about the processes that lead to those results. So especially like with coming up on New Year's and, you know, people tend to be prioritizing and creating their goals for the next year. It's not just creating the goals, but what are the habits and the small steps you're going to take and implement on a daily basis to get to those bigger goals to create the outcomes you want. So for an example, and there's so many, you know, when I first picked up the book, I was like, oh my gosh, okay, here we go. Some more, you know, what, I, what I'm not doing, what I should be doing. But what I loved is he comes from a place of empathy and I, I relate to that and very practical ways that you can create reminders and repeatable steps. They say it takes two weeks to create a habit. And, but he really breaks it down on, on how those habits are formed and how it can be applied to your life. Okay. Well, here's my final question. I always end with this question. And uh, I think, cause it, it's all of you have insight. You, you've all, you all have business knowledge and you have good insight. Let's say someone is getting out of, I don't know, trade school or college or high school. They're starting their career as, as my mom would say, they're bright eyed and bushy tailed. Okay. They're starting, they're starting this career, this journey into the work life. Okay. It may not be their long career, you know, the long, the long term goals, but they're starting something. What is some advice that you would give to someone who comes up to you and says, Hey, you know, what do I need to know? Like I'm going out. I'm I I've been in high school and college. I'm I'm going out on my own. What do I need to know? And we'll start with you, Les. What is some advice you would give to someone? Well, so I have actually had this 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 talk with many many college students and high school students. Uh, you know, you know, they're coming out of college, and I've done this at you know Rowan and Rowan College, of South Jersey. Uh, and you're. First thing they're looking for is I, I want to make money. I want to make money. I want to make money. Well, when you're looking for a job, when you look at any anybody's list, money is usually about fourth or fifth on the list. I tell people, look at everything. It's a culture. 
You know, today it's about finding the right culture that's a right fit for you and, and, and vice versa as an employer, finding people who are a right fit for your organization. Because, you know, I'll use the, the term that Steve hates, the rock star you may hire could destroy your culture. Okay, so I always tell people, look at the culture, you know, and understand that, you know, when you're when you're looking for that job, whether it's your first job or your umpteenth job, you know, you know, if you find a company where you fit into that culture and that culture is a fit for you, you know what, you're not going to bounce around from company to company. You're going to be there for a long time uh, because you're going to be happy. And, uh, you know, you know, do something where it's not, not work. You know, you know, if you, if you, if you love what you do, I love what I do. It's not a job. I have fun at it. I mean, the fact that I, I get paid good, well for it, it's like, it's crazy, you know, but it, it, it's, it's, I love what I do because we've developed a great culture here. And that's, that's important that, to me with anywhere, you know, I tell, you know, I, any advice I give you is you're out looking for a job, you know, look for a company that has the culture that fits you. And you fit it. It's funny you say about loving your job. Uh, Harper, Bryce Harper, after the uh, game the other night, they asked him, you know, is there pressure? And he's like, no, when I was 16 and 17, trying to be the number one draft choice and all that, there was pressure. He goes, now it's not about money because I have that. It's just because I love playing this game. And that's what it to him was all about. He went through the bullshit when he was younger. But mm -hmm. now to him, it's all gravy. How about you, Rebecca? What, what are you going to tell someone? Well, I know I is this I'm going to be repeating myself because it's a passion, but I've also learned the power of personal branding. Whether you have a are coming out of college with a degree or whether you're somebody who didn't go to college such as myself. You know, personal branding and also cultivating your network is key. Become an expert whether regardless of what company you're going to work for what industry how you represent yourself online is really key and that doesn't necessarily mean that you need to create all these professional images how do you treat people how do you connect to people how how do you articulate your thoughts um so that's important is is your personal brand online and also offline which les has has definitely uh talked about and then developing your network you can start doing that while you're in college you know and start to especially linkedin developing I, I i know we were pooing linkedin a little bit but developing your linkedin and your profile think of your linkedin profile as your resume to the world it, it, it really is it is linkedin has billions of users right now and so you know linkedin is untapped if you are not really focusing, it's an untapped gold mine. If you're not focusing on developing your personal brand on there, especially if you're a business owner or fresh out of college, wherever you are in life, LinkedIn can help your professional brand. And how about you, Eve? What, what are you telling someone? I would, I would say to them, find something that <clears throat> truly matters to you or something that you really, truly love to do. Because so often, and I've interviewed thousands of people, they, you know, sometimes they don't really know who they are to really find out what they really want to do or what they really want to be. Um, and then, like you said, the culture. I mean, if, if, if you're a person that likes more of the small family feel, then you don't need to go to a 
a, a major big corporation to look for a job because you're probably going to get lost in the shuffle or vice versa. You know, you, you have to find what best suits your needs and really what what makes you tick and, and why you do what you do, because it's all about your why. And the other thing you may want to do, too, is maybe not just um, go, you know, for an interview, maybe just not interview that with that one person, but say, hey, listen, I want to make sure that this marriage is going to work for both of us. So I would like to talk to a couple of your people that is on staff just to see if I can really fit into what it is that you're doing about. You know, I'm a very common, simple person. Okay. It's not anything magical, but just be yourself and go ahead and, you know, ask yourself those questions. And it doesn't hurt to ask to talk to other people within the organization before mm -hmm. you make a decision because they're interviewing you as much as I'm interviewing you. Well, that was awesome. I want to thank you all for coming on. Um, how can people get in touch with you? Use your services, whatever. Uh, Les, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, call me on my cell phone, 856-366-7598. Or go to our website, workplacehcm.com. How about you, Rebecca? Well, first, I want to offer everybody a gift who is listening today. You can actually schedule a free strategy session with me, a mini strategy session to dive into your personal brand. If you have questions about LinkedIn, optimizing your presence there, social media marketing, uh, website design, you can go to createyourpotential.com and you'll see where you can schedule a free mini strategy session with me. And not only that, but you can also download a free copy of Discover Your Personal Brand Workbook. That's a workbook that I'm offering so that you can really learn how to articulate your personal brand, especially for those college students or people who are in transition, looking for new jobs. Discovering your personal brand is key to opening up doors. And how about you, Eve Pappas? You could go ahead and call me on my cell phone at 609-922-8924, or you can uh, email me at epappas at hoffmanpest.com. And um, I would love to, uh, you know, go out and do a free uh, termite inspection or pest control inspection on any businesses that are, you know, here in this area. We would love to reach out and help you in any way we can. There you have it, people. Uh, people, you can get in touch with me. Actually, go go to YouTube and search The Coop Tank. Look at the past shows. Subscribe to the channel. Comment on them. Like them. Also, go to uh, Spotify, um, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio. You can listen to the audio versions. Just look up The Coop Tank. You can email me at thecooptank at yahoo.com. If you want to advertise on this show, you know, the people that come on the show are shakers and movers and big business people. The people who watch this show are business people. So wouldn't you want to get your brand, like Rebecca talks about the brand, wouldn't you want your brand to be in the eyes and ears of those people. So email me at thecooptank at yahoo.com. I will give you rates and we can talk about it more. Also, if you have a podcast, audiobook, videocast, hit up Joe Ganjami at Sweet Recording. Joe's the best producer in town. That's why I do my show here. So email them at hello at sweetrecording.com. So I'm Steve Cooper. I hope you have a great week. Go Phillies. And I'll talk to you next time.